This is episode 28 of the Home and Family Culture Podcast. I'm Jody Chafee. In this episode, I interviewed Dina Alexander of Educate and Empower Kids. Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how families can discover and design their collective vision, values, beliefs, and traditions that influence their family culture. In this podcast, I interview experts who offer tips and tools to inspire families in this process of developing their family culture, and also successful individuals whose success was influenced by their family culture growing up. Be sure to check out the show notes for this and every episode at homeandfamilyculture.com, where you can subscribe for my weekly newsletter filled with updates on the podcast and blog, as well as other tidbits of information I like to add. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, or YouTube. Please subscribe to your favorite medium. You can also find me on social media at Family Culture Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and at underscore Family Culture on Twitter. Be sure to comment, follow, like, rate, and share. But enough about all that. Let's get to the episode. Thank you for listening. Dina Alexander is the founder and president of Educate and Empower Kids at EducateEmpowerKids.org. The organization determined to strengthen families by teaching digital citizenship, media literacy, and healthy sexual education, including education about the dangers of online porn. She is the creator of Noah's New Phone, a story about using technology for good, Messages About Me, a journey to healthy body image, How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography, and the 30 Days of Sex Talks and 30 Days to a Stronger Child programs. She received her master's degree in recreation therapy from the University of Utah and her bachelor's from Brigham Young University. She is an amazing mom and loves spending time with her husband and three kids. Together, they live in Texas. So welcome, Dina. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad you're here. And this is such a wonderful topic that I wanted to to bring up about um, body image. But first, I want to learn from you. What was the inspiration behind starting this company and and educating families and kids about these important topics? So a few years ago, I was just sitting at home. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I was reading a Facebook article about teen porn consumption. And it was just so crazy to me and so unbelievable, I started doing research about it because it also scared me. And I started kind of realizing here we had this huge issue going on and none of my friends knew about it. None of my friends had any idea that this was going on among their teenagers. And those that did know, it was because their friends were involved and there was so much shame around it. They weren't talking about it. They weren't helping their friends avoid it because they were so embarrassed that this had happened to them, that they thought they were bad parents or that this had happened or something was quote unquote wrong with their child. And so I started researching it and I realized I couldn't even get my friends and family to talk about healthy sex. They were so scared about that topic. And I was like, well, if I can't get them to talk about healthy sexuality, how am I going to get them to talk about online pornography, which was like at every, and still is at every kid's fingertips. So that's where we started. So we started out just talking about healthy intimacy and its opposite pornography. But as we expanded, as we started going around the country and doing different talks and workshops, 
and creating our resources online, we found that parents had a lot of other concerns about parenting in the digital age. And so that is where then the next book that came along there was the 30 days to a stronger child, because Mm -hmm. I know that for me, I realized uh, my kids have to be way stronger than me than I ever had to be because of what just the constant barrage of messages, terrorist attacks, school shootings, all of these things that I didn't have to deal with my kids are dealing with right now as teenagers. And as I have one middle schooler. So that was like the, the inspiration behind that book. So then we also, in that same year, in 2016, we did um, the How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography. So even though, because we realized, again, like we needed to create some very simple step-by-step directions for parents to kind of assess where their kids were at, to create a safe place in their home, to talk mm-hmm. about these really tough topics, and then um, also to just create some more openness within their homes to not just talk about those topics, but other tough topics, to talk about death, to talk about yeah. divorce, all of these other things that, you know, they're, you know, our kids are dealing with on a constant basis. Um, and then so then that kind of also led us to, well, we wanted to do some some books for kids. So that's why this, in the last few months, we've released our first kid books because, there's just so many things to deal with, not just um, pornography and sexual issues, but everything dealing with phones, dealing with Mm. social media, (laughs) helping our families create healthy boundaries there. So our organization has kind of morphed into this parenting in the digital age. And so a lot of what we talk about is screen time, is healthy relationships, healthy boundaries with technology, and also just within our families and helping our kids create healthy relationships of their own because that is becoming just a very difficult thing. Things that we took for granted as creating easy friendships, having a best friend, having people we could trust. This is becoming increasingly difficult for our mm-hmm. kids. So that's where we have you know, we talk about a lot of topics. A lot of topics that we focus on are just inspired by what parents email to us, what they message us on social media, the questions they ask at our presentations. And right now, you know, a lot of that has to do with social media, smartphones, and healthy body image. And so that is a lot of what, of what we have been talking about. Awesome. So you kind of you mostly touched on this, but would you send? So then, would you say that the mission of your organization what is to to just help open up the conversations? Yeah, with it's, these kids? it's definitely to empower parents and kids in the you know in this life in this parenting in the digital age. This digital age again, it's so different, and so we want to help parents navigate these new waters. Tell us more about how that leads into how the digital age has affected and impacted this topic of body image? So that's a great question. So we're just constantly surprised and unfortunately saddened by what is, what's the effects of the smartphone. So we have had a lot of great, great things happen with smartphones, amazing technology. And so I don't want it to be like a scare factor that these are just terrible devices. It's just that they have affected us so much. There's been a lot of recent media coverage that, I have known and a lot of other experts have known for for several years, but the, 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 the data is kind of finally coming out. You know, the increased mm-hmm. depression, the increased loneliness, the increased isolation that has been happening in the last, you know, few years with the rise of smartphones and social media, we're mm-hmm. seeing how, how that is affecting our kids. And so that, again, has been 
a real huge focus for us because we're seeing just so many things that like, so things that you and I had not had to deal with. So, you know, parents, we don't know how to deal with it as easily because we can't just go, oh, that's right. I remember feeling like that. Or that's right. I remember, you know, we didn't, we don't, we don't have memories of not being invited to a party and then seeing the pictures all over social media. Right. We weren't invited to a party and then we didn't find out about it until maybe a week later. And then we were kind of like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's, it's over now. Right. We weren't like faced with say the evidence of being quote unquote rejected. Mm-hmm. It was more fleeting, right? And so some of these things are, you know, again, they're just, if they're like little, they're just this constant dig into our kids' self-worth and their, you know, their, their self-confidence. And so we're seeing that they're making our kids seriously unhappy. And these things, again, even like the good things that we used to have, like, you know, we really, my, I really wanted to drive, even though I did not have a car, I was not going to have access to a car. I really wanted to drive. That was part of becoming independent as a teenager that I could take off on a Friday night if I wanted right. to. I had, my daughter is 17 now. I basically had to, you know, very strongly incentivize her to, to get her driver's license. Basically like, you are not going to have a, unless you have a driver's license, you know, you are not, cause I, I did not want to drive her to school anymore. I was done with that. I had, and I have many friends, same thing that their kids have no interest in that. And it blows all of our minds. Why would you not want to drive? It's part of being a, an older teenager. And that's something that I talk about all the time with my friends because we don't get it because that was so ingrained into us. But again, why do our kids need to leave the house when they have all of their friends right here in their little smartphone? So why do they need to leave the house? You know, so again, something very different. And again, all of this kind of is delaying adulthood, Mm -hmm. right? These, these milestones, getting a job as a teenager, getting use of the family car. These things are kind of, they're kind of meh for our kids. Meh, I don't, that's okay. I, I can take it or leave it. And so, like, I know that I've had to create certain things for my kids or, like, let them know, you know, when you go to college, we're not paying for everything. You have a huge responsibility coming. It's coming in a a couple years, and you're going to need to be ready for that and to kind of just get that ball rolling again. So, very different things. Nobody had to tell me that when I was a kid. I wanted to earn money. I wanted to have my own money to go do this. But a lot of us as parents have unfortunately made the mistake of, well, I want to make certain things easier for our kids. And this is causing more headaches and handicapping our kids in ways that we, we never anticipated. So again, things that were common sense for our parents and our grandparents is not such common sense for us. So again, we need to kind of call attention and look, be looking at that big picture of what am I creating, even from a young child on, you know, these are not just issues like, well, I can just deal with that when my kids are 14 or 15. It's like, no, there's certain things that we need to be instilling into our kids, certain the ideas of what real self-worth is, mm-hmm. what real self-confidence is, because mm-hmm. the world is sending very mixed messages to our kids that are not healthy, that, you know, what, you know, what true, you know, Think of everything that we learn on TV and social media. Oh, true, true happiness is having a certain body. True happiness is being with the cool kids and dressing like this. True happiness is having a certain amount of money and having a certain lifestyle. When those of us who are adults now, we can look back and be like, you know what? Those things really didn't bring me happiness then. Having the perfect body does not bring me a certain, doesn't really bring me happiness. Um, Living in a certain house doesn't bring me happiness. But we had to learn those lessons 
and they weren't as much of a challenge because they right. weren't being forced down our throat. These we weren't messages. being berated every day with these messages of, yeah. they have so many followers and they have so many pictures of themselves and they have so many uh, comments and likes and yeah. views and yeah. And, and the reaction of them looking like they're doing so many things with their lives, even if it's just virtual reality. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not real. And again, it's, it's hard to, you know, again, when we have so much learning, so much is happening to these undeveloped brains, and then we have these expectations of them that they're just going to get it, that that's fake, that that's not mm. real, that Kim Kardashian is not awesome, <laughs> that there's really nothing <laughs> special or interesting about this human being who has one of the highest followings on Instagram ever, right? That it's hard to, it's hard to make our kids understand that, again, in their undeveloped brains with their non unmyelinated frontal lobes yeah. to help them understand that there is, you know, so much more to life, but it's hard for, for them to understand that when we give them these phones at yeah. such a young age, this is where, you know, they're sponges and they're learning. And if they're, that learning is taking place in social media or in, in a majority of it is happening in media, they're going to get some very wrong messages, some very unhealthy messages. These things are really shaping their reality without us really being able to recognize because it's that reality is so individual to whoever is looking at the devices or looking at the media, you know, and, and so that those devices and that social media is shaping that reality for that child and the, their beliefs and what they understand about the world is basically what I understand what you're saying. And, yeah. and so it's like, that's really hard to face because it's as parents, we aren't necessarily, we don't see what they see. We don't understand how they're interpreting what's going on. And so it's like, if we don't have conversations with them to help them bring them back to reality or understand how they're viewing reality, then it's really hard to connect with them and bring them out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, that's a huge challenge. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's really shaping their whole perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I really, I really feel like we can, you know, I mm -hmm, really feel yeah. like there are, there are so many things we can do. And I, I, and I, like I said, I you know when I was, I used to feel, you know, much more fearful about it, but as I, again, as I have taken time to research and really think about it and be really deliberate in the time I spend with my kids and really deliberate in the things I say and teach them and the media that I allow in my home, mm -hmm. I have seen many, there's been many doors opened to all, to me and my kids of better ways of a better way to, sh you know, to talk about these things, a better ways mm. to see the world, um, better opportunities to show them, you know, the, what real happiness is, what, yeah. you know, where real fulfillment can come from. That's an interesting point too, because, you know, social media and these devices aren't inherently bad, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, there's definitely a lot of good that, that can come out of these things, as long as we can learn how to moderate, how to communicate and educate our children about what's going on. Absolutely. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's huge. You know, like again, having that time with them and showing them, you know, if you want, you know, again, it's first, I think it's really important for us to look at that big picture of, you know, what is the child that I want? What kind of an adult do I want them to be? And mm -hmm. then be deliberate in those. And it's not something that I expect people to think about every day. Like, okay, I need to be thinking about the big picture every day. Mm -hmm. But I, like, I keep an alert in my phone to basically every, you know, every quarter to kind of reevaluate what I'm doing with media in my home and, you know, my screen time, my kid's screen time, 
that this to me is just as important as thinking about their nutrition, about the mm. food I cook for them or the, you know, the places I allow them to go with their friends. It's important for us to have this time of kind of thinking about, well, what do I really want for them? Is, is this path really necessary? Is, are all these sports practices useful? Are all of these extra activities really yeah. going to shape them into the adult that I want? And it's the same thing with our, our media usage. That, and me mm-hmm. too. Am I setting mm-hmm. an example? Am I on my screen all the time? You know, with my nonprofit, I feel like I'm doing an important work but it is not more important than my children. Mm-hmm. So when, I, when my kids are home, there's sometimes that there are things that are not done and it's very hard for me to pull away from that and just put my laptop away or put my phone away and say, okay, I need to be focused and be mom right now. You know, and sometimes, you know, we feel like our kids aren't sharing important things or, okay, they're telling me this story and it doesn't <laughs> matter. It's important to them. I want to show them that I yeah. am listening and that what they have to say is important because I want them to be the same way with me. And so again, setting that example for them, I'm putting my phone away and mm. also letting, you know, like look at the, the, the media that I am paying, that I am watching is portraying, you know, women in a positive light is portraying men in the positive light that mm-hmm. it's showing moms and dads being intelligent human beings and not idiots. You mm-hmm. know, again, I'm trying to shape my kids. I'm being very deliberate in my choices. And it's not something that I expect each of us to do all in one day. This is something that I have worked at practice. for years and years to yeah. be deliberate. When they were little and I was exhausted, I was not very deliberate. I was like, okay, I'm going to put on Nickelodeon or Nick Jr. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to just try to mentally make it through these yeah. next few hours survival because I'm, mode. I'm exhausted. Right. And again, like, you know, that's where moms, when you're in that stage, that, that stage in life, give yourself a break. You know, yeah. you're going to, it's, it's one step at a time. It's one habit at a time. It's not like, okay, I have to do this all at once and create this perfect environment in my home with perfect food. There's some nights you're going to be exhausted and yeah, you're going to throw chicken nuggets at your kids or have a bowl of cereal for dinner. <laughs> they won't remember it at all. They'll, they might even remember it as a great dinner, right? It doesn't yeah. matter, <laughs> but it's about, again, just, that's why every few months, just kind of reevaluating our habits in our home of, okay, where, you know, how are we using technology? Am I setting an example? Am I commenting kind things and showing my kids? I mean, my kids are old enough that I will show them like, look at this great story I found. This taught me something. That's a good use of technology. That's something I may not have ever seen if I did not have Facebook or Instagram. I wouldn't have seen like this amazing person who's giving their life to service, you know, or this really useful you know, information, letting my kids, you know, talk, tell me about how they're using technology at school, how they're learning, you know, that there's so many different amazing apps. You talk to teachers, they are using great tools at school that we can be using at home too. So again, so it's just kind of focusing on the positive uses of technology, but also hugely having boundaries yeah, rules and sticking to them. It's really hard because again, we're tired, they're tired. And this these phones have become such a coping mechanism, right? Oh, I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm going to look at a phone or I'm going to play a game or I'm going to just scroll through this social media feed. Again, teaching our kids and show, and teaching ourselves to be deliberate. I'm only going to do this for 30 minutes. I'm gonna, yeah. maybe, I'm, maybe that requires me setting a timer on my phone or on my kid's phone and being like, okay, you just, you know, we're only going to do this. Oh, hey, you're only going to post once a day or maybe you're only going to allow your kids to post twice a week. Just again, helping our kids be really deliberate with how we're spending our time. You know, maybe that's just posting once in a while, but it's also again about, you know, making those boundaries and those habits that work in your home. 
Yeah. You know, I think every, well, out of what you just said pretty much summarizes like the aim and my goal of this podcast is that family culture is about being intentional. It's about having a vision of what you, what you want your overarching message or goal to be for your family, where you see your children going and developing, and then aligning your goals and your values with that vision. And so everything you just said is exactly what I'm trying to explore through this podcast is, you know, what we can do, how we can develop that vision, how we can develop even like a mission statement or intentional statement, you know, things like that, that guide your goals and your values so that, you know, because if there's no rules, then you don't know that you're breaking any rules. (laughs) And, and uh, that can, you know, some people might be like, well, that's okay. But no, there, there needs to be rules and boundaries so that kids know that how they can regulate themselves, how they can develop these mature adult-like skills that um, help them to manage their time and their energy and their resources. And I think more and more when we, when we fall into this default idea, like the, this default is, oh, I self-medicate by looking at my phone or, you know, or when it becomes this coping tool, then that becomes a habit that actually is not lifting you as a person. It's not helping you. I I just recently deleted the Facebook app on my phone because I found that I would just be like, well, I'm stressed or something. And so I just go to open Facebook. And then, and then I started realizing the more I, every time I click on my Facebook app, I'm actually admitting that I'm resigning for the day, you know, like, or for that time, you know, I'm just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to sit down and look at Facebook. And, and so I was like, I realized that I was doing that as like this way to cope with whatever stress or anxiety I was dealing with. And, and that the, the frequency was actually growing. (laughs) And I think, think, but, but you're speaking to something that so many people do without even realizing it. And so yeah. like, I, I really appreciate you mentioning that because a lot of us do that. And so much that's like, so we, ha- we, one of our children's books that we just put out is called Noah's New Phone, you know, a story about using technology for good. And one of the illustrations that we have in there is um, people at Starbucks and they have the parent, the grownups, they have pacifiers in their mouth and blankies oh. and they're looking at their phones uh-huh. because that is something we wanted to like, because we, again, we're trying to draw attention to like that. It's, this is not just a kid problem because no. like, all of us are like, ah, oh, I keep telling my kids, you know, put your phone down or this or that. But I'm like, we, we use it. We do it too. You know, we and model I think, the behavior without them, without even realizing it. Our yeah. kids are watching us all the time. And that was a big thing for me to own, to basically be like, you know what? I am, I'm just, I'm using this as my, my pacifier. You know, like I have this little word game and I was telling myself like, oh, well, it's okay because it's not like something dumb, like Candy Crush or whatever else that I was like, you know, judging when here I was like, I'm using this little word game that I play or, you know, when I play Scrabble on my phone, like, oh, see, well, I'm really, I'm really strengthening my brain here, right? I'm preventing Alzheimer's and I'm like... (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm pacifying myself because I'm, you know, I'm bored. I'm, you know, bored, tired, alone. And that's something that we talk about in all of the children's books are are coping mechanisms. You know, like Mm -hmm. kind of like, how do you cope? What do you do when you're stressed, you're lonely, you're bored? Because, you know, nobody asked me those questions as a child. And man, that would have really helped me because it wasn't until I was in middle school, high school that I kind of realized that I was an emotional eater. And they didn't, that wasn't the term we used back then. Mm-hmm. But I realized when I was tired, lonely, bored, sad, mm-hmm. I immediately went to our pantry and stood there and looked around for a snack, you know, usually an unhealthy snack. 
and that, you know, again, I, and I, you know, that's something I still battle with, you know, I don't like, you know, like we wrote these body image books and it's not be, I always say, I'm like, it's not because I'm out of the woods, you know, this is, this is because I struggle with body image yeah. that I felt compelled to write this book. I didn't feel, oh, well, I got this. So let me just tell everybody how I did this, <laughs> right? It right. was like, no, I'm struggling with this. I know other people are too. Let's at least begin by creating some discussions, you know, to get people, to get parents, you know, thinking about their own body image issues yeah. and how we might be accidentally, you know, putting those onto our kids or sending messages that we really don't want to send. Yeah. So I love that you're, you know, that you are talking about body image in particular. I'd like to transition the conversation a little bit over to this some more because it is something like, just like modeling our usage of, of their technology, we definitely model our ideals and, and perspective about body image. And, and when the, you know, I mean, the, the social media and things are shaping our beliefs about body image for sure. And so I love that you have taken that angle of it and trying to educate us more about body image. So tell us more about that, about body image, why body image in particular, and the books that you've created around the body image. So we felt, like I said, so two, twofold reason why this became kind of like a big topic in our organization was one, we felt like everybody we know, at least moms, every mom we knew was dealing with this on some level, mm -hmm. but that also we were, and we were kind of thinking that like, oh, things are better, right? You know, we have these body positivity movements, et cetera, but we were also not realizing the inundation that was beginning because of social media mm -hmm. and because we were letting our kids on younger and younger, getting onto these social media platforms, we were not, that we kind of let that slide without really realizing the effects of it, of how this bombardment was basically, you know, just such a tsunami of it. We were trying to just, you know, like scoop out the problem with a teaspoon by complimenting our kids once in a while or doing these little tiny things, not realizing we're fighting this, you know, huge barrage and we have got to do a little bit better. And so that was kind of, you know, realizing like, okay, this is a problem for everybody, but also we have like a whole new set of issues here to talk about and deal with that, you know, and we thought we had it bad, right? You know, we thought right. we had, you know, like my mother, you know, my poor mother, you know, a wonderful, sweet woman, but hated her body, right? Mm -hmm. And said very negative things about her body. I always use the phrase, I'm like, I thought my mom was fat because she told us so. I look back on those photos and I'm like, my mom was a beautiful woman, but I thought she was fat because she told us repeatedly, you know, like, oh, I'm so fat. Oh, I look so fat in this outfit. Da, 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 da. And so that was all I had to deal with. I didn't have to deal with social media. I didn't have to deal with my friends posting all their little bikini shots and, oh, look at us at the beach and, oh, we're just so this and that. Or so, Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. You know, with, uh, with special effects and, you know, hi, you know, doing, I mean, not even without Photoshop. I mean, there's um, filters, you know, in Instagram and, and every other thing that, again, I never had to even think about. Everybody had a terrible picture of themselves somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> People, our kids, you know, are, you know they, have, they think that nobody else has a terrible picture, right? Because all they see is this filtered perfect world that everybody is sending out, you know? Yeah. That's incredible. I, it's, it's something like I mentioned before we started was that that was one of the things that I'd studied. My final thesis for my undergraduate program mm -hmm. was that body image and, and how, you know, kids who uh, struggle with body image, it actually leads to more of eating disorders 
you know, and it starts as young as seven years old that children are starting to diet and things like that. And dieting, when you start dieting at that age, you will almost inevitably leads, it almost inevitably leads to an eating disorder. And that's so, it's so sad to think that kids that young are really struggling with, with their appearance. So you bring up a really good point because, you know, like you and I can remember a time when we thought our bodies were pretty amazing. You know, you and I can remember being five and six years old, maybe even older, and just being able to run and loving that feeling of climbing a tree and just being like, this is so awesome. And maybe that time even lasted until we were 10, 11, 12. But that time is shrinking for our kids, where Mm -hmm. even from a younger and younger age, like you said, they are thinking about dieting, where they're thinking, I need to look like this. Where they're, you know, again, they're being, they're seeing this, you know, even from like that Disney pr- princess culture yeah. or other little television things where they think there is a certain look where they are even just so young seeing their appearances, their bodies as decorative mm-hmm. versus as something that can do things, that can create things, that can see things, that can learn things, you know, that they're, they're, they're compartmentalizing themselves from, uh, you know, in their small, in that their way of, that's how they are processing and dealing with this, these images. You know, it's not like that somebody is a bad kid or a dumb kid. It's, they don't know how to process yeah. all of these images and all of these messages that adults are creating for them. So what can parents do to, to foster a good relationship with your bodies? You, you mentioned that kids don't need to, we don't want to think of our bodies as decorations, but as useful tools, what else can we do? Or what are some of the phrases and things we can say to help divert the attention away from, I don't, well, I don't necessarily want to say completely away from, you know, cause it's good to, as I was thinking about this, this discussion that we're having, that I was thinking that glorifying our bodies and then the opposite is not hating our bodies. <laughs> it's actually somewhere in the middle where you go, I want a balance of appreciating my body and the way I feel about how it looks but not getting to the point where, you know, there has to be a balance, would you say? Well, there's kind of like two schools that you bring it, you bring up a good point. There's a good point. There's two like schools of thought with body image, kind of like, I'm going to love everything about me no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of, well, we need to appreciate who we are inside. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's both, you know, it's yeah. like, we need to have both. I don't know if you can always appreciate your body all the time you know, forever. Um, I'm somebody who has struggled with my weight, you know, and after my third pregnancy, I was up to, at the the end of the pregnancy with the baby weight, I was 275 pounds. After I lost the weight, the baby weight, I was 250 pounds, right? And my body hurt. I could not do things. I could not be the mom I wanted to be. So that doesn't mean that I should have, you know, hated my body or, you know, but I was, I was not happy with my body. And I think at that point in my life, I don't, I don't think I should have just been like, I love my body no matter what. It was unhealthy. I was, I was on my way to type two diabetes Mm -hmm. and to, to an early death. So for me, I needed to make changes and I did. So, you know, right. I basically, I lost a hundred pounds through, Weight Watchers and various things and different motivation. And it was, you know, that was a very long, you know, journey for me. And, you know, but I still struggle with that body image. I always, but I also tell people, I'm like, you know, I'm not any happier now than I was at at 250 pounds, you know, and that's really important to remember because it's not a solution for happiness. 
to lose weight or, you know, to gain weight or, you know, find that ideal body. But I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be healthy for my kids. And in my mind, I wanted to just be comfortable in my own skin, you know? So we have those personal journeys. So for me, part of that was being healthy. So that was, for me, was I'm going to make healthy choices because I know healthy choices give me energy mm-hmm. and helped me, help me be a better person all around and that they are a reflection of my inside. Yeah. When I am choosing to treat my body well, I'm usually, treating, I'm, usually, I'm usually choosing to treat my mind and my heart well, that I'm going to be mm-hmm. saying nice things to myself versus beating myself up. So I think first and foremost, what we as parents can do is just to be a good example And so, meaning that I'm going to speak kindly to myself, whatever Mm -hmm. my shape and size. So even when I was a lot bigger, I never said anything negative about my body. I never said anything negative about my kids' bodies. That's that's step one. That is the simplest thing we can do. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to just like, again, like I said, like feel perfect about yourself. You know, it's okay to talk with your partner or if you have that one girlfriend that maybe she's struggling too, and that's something that you can use to talk to each other, to motivate each other. That's fine. You're both adults. Your brains are done developing, but we don't want to be saying those things to our kids. Yeah. So we do not want to be, because we have to remember our kids are listening to yeah. everything we say and everything we do, right? Yeah. They're they are, they're watching us so much. There are things that blow me away that my kids can remember that I said and did a decade ago, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's things that I can remember that my parents said and did yeah. 30 years ago, right? So being that example I think it's also super important to be complimenting and paying attention to what the things that our kids do, not just how they look. And it's really, it can be very hard, you know, especially I know that all of us, we think our kids are so adorable and they're so cute and they're so sweet. And it's okay to tell our kids, you look beautiful, you know, or I love your smile, but it's, that should not be where the majority of our compliments are. Um, that should be a very minor piece. I don't want my daughter to ever feel or my sons to feel like they matter because of how they look, mm-hmm. right? I have a son right now who he is 14 and I have had several women comment to me, oh, he's going to be a heartbreaker or wow, he's just turning into such a handsome young man. I have not told him that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do not pass that compliment on to him because I think he already knows a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be like thought of that that's something that he is thought of as because other women, because people don't really know him as a person. If they say something positive about like, oh, he is so kind or he is such a great conversationalist, I pass those compliments on to him because I want him to, that's where his identity and my daughter's identity, where I want them to be focused on is the things that they are and the things that they can do. So complimenting them on, thank you so much for helping me. You know, you did such a great job on your homework. You know, I really appreciate the effort you're making, you know, that you are just, you know, working hard that, you know, that was so great that you shared that toy without being asked. That is amazing. You know, again, focusing on these things that our kids can do, mm-hmm. helping them see all the amazing things that their bodies can do, that they can mm-hmm. sing, they can dance, they can talk, they can walk, they can cry, they can laugh, you know, reminding them of those amazing things. Because again, we might feel silly doing that, or maybe we think we're doing over the top, but again, you're that, that amount compared to the barrage of messages they're getting is very tiny. 
So that's where, again, you know, I think it's fine to be, to be focusing on these things, maybe even once a month where we take time to focus on the amazing things our bodies can do. Mm-hmm. Because again, think of again, that, that barrage. So this is part of, you know, loving our kids that there's no way for us to love our kids too much. Now we can definitely be too indulgent, right? Yeah. And give them everything they want. That's that's not part of this because we have to give them opportunities to to prove their self-worth to themselves. So that doesn't mean it's just I'm going to constantly compliment. It also means I need to give them opportunities to succeed. You know, I'm going to give them opportunities to do chores around the house and to feel that accomplishment yeah. of I can do things. I can fill a dishwasher. You know, I talk to a lot of moms and they have kids similar ages as mine, high school and middle schoolers. And when I say to them, I don't know how to work the dishwasher in my home, they look at me in utter surprise. But I'm like, why should I fill the dishwasher? I have kids who can do that. My kids know how to do everything to run a house, mm-hmm. my sons and my daughter. Mm-hmm. My kids are 17, 14, and 11. They should know how to do everything I can do in this house right? They should know how to mow a lawn. And there is a sense of accomplishment there. And I'm not saying that all of our self-worth is accomplishment oriented, but a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. They need to know the satisfaction of completing a homework assignment on their own many, many times. They need to know how to complete a project, a report. And you'll probably, you know, as most parents know that they have, if they have high schoolers, they know that they have to do a lot of videos, right? They have to create videos. They should know how to do that and feel good about having accomplished these things, you know? So it's, again, it's helping them, giving them opportunities to succeed, whether that's with sports, with art, with music. So giving those, those chances for our kids. And also, again, I like to focus a lot of my compliments on what they can do and just who they are as people. And that, and the process, right? You know, a growth mindset is, is focusing on the process, not necessarily their results yeah, at the end. You know. Yeah. It's the effort and things like that. I had a couple of thoughts, you know, I, I did an interview a few weeks ago with Marilee Boyack and she, that was the whole conversation was helping our kids grow up to have adult responsibilities and I'm glad you're bringing that up because I didn't make that connection between, you know, that episode is like how to help them to be self-reliant. But then there's this side benefit that it helps them to have that self-efficacy and the confidence that they can accomplish things. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thought that I had was, um, so when we want to encourage these healthy habits around our bodies, uh, you know, when I go to exercise, I want to eat well, I want to exercise I don't say to my kids, well, because I want to lose weight <laughs> necessarily. You know, I say things like, uh, well, I want to create good habits so that I can be healthy, so I can live longer, so that I can be, you know, eat nutritious food so that I don't get sick. And so that, you know, I, I, I try to focus my health efforts around what the health benefits are, not necessarily weight as an issue. You know, it's not just about whether you're thin or fat. It's about wanting to just be healthy. That's why we adopt these good habits to, to exercise regularly and eat nutrient dense foods and, and things like that. And so it's focusing around the the health aspect of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's super important. What can we do as parents to foster good relationships with food and exercise? I kind of touched on that, but what do you think? Yeah, you you covered some of that. And I think it's, I think it's important to not be labeling food as good or bad, Yeah, you know, not putting like a moral, a moral piece to it. It's just food. Right. Um, I've always been really good at, you know, not letting, having my, you know, teaching my kids to not 
you know, like they don't have to finish their food, mm-hmm. you know, or like their dessert, you know, I will say you need to finish your vegetables. That's basically the only thing I'm like, no, you need to eat these vegetables <laughs> because I don't, I don't know. We, we do not get enough vegetables. I try every day and I never feel like I'm giving my kids enough fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Even if they have it at every meal, I'm like, it's still not quite, I still don't feel like it's enough. So that's the only thing I focus on. I try to help them, like giving them a leg up by, like we talk about, we'll talk about portions and we talk, you know, again, just basic nutrition and information I think is Mm -hmm. helpful. Reminding them, you know, of that we want to eat to satisfaction, but to not eat till we're full. That was not taught to me. I was Mm -hmm. taught to, you know, finish the food on my plate, that kind of a thing. And that's just not helpful. We talk about exercise a lot. I'm lucky that me and my husband both like to exercise and that, even though I'm tired in the evenings, I usually do my exercise in the morning. My husband is, is like, he will walk with the kids. He'll do yoga with the kids. But I think also just helping our kids explore all these different options out there, giving them the opportunity to join sports teams. I'm not a big fan of like really competitive stuff. My daughter did like competitive soccer. My younger, my son who's still in soccer, I have tried to put off competitive, you know, those traveling teams for as long as possible. And I know he wants to do it, but for me also, I'm like, I don't want my, I want my child to stay in rec ball as long as possible, just because the focus there, at least where I live, is just on having fun. fun they yeah. go and they get ex- they they practice twice a week and they play a game once a week. That's it. That to me is plenty for a sport because I don't want it to take away from our family time, but I also want to build the habit of exercise. Because in my mind, that's so when I've had my goal setting in my mind every quarter, I just want my kids to be building habits. Whether mm-hmm. they learn to love running, whether they learn to love volleyball, when or learn to love soccer, whatever it is, I want them to be developing that habit. I don't want it to be like when I went to college, I had to make this massive shift into exercising on my own, right? Mm -hmm. I had played volleyball and I had been on the track team throwing shot put in discus as a teenager. I was not a runner, but I, so I took a jogging class at college and that, because I knew it would force me to build a habit of running. Mm-hmm. And it did. It helped me start that on of figuring out, of going to the gym and figuring out how to use the equipment, et cetera. And I want my kids to learn those things that they can, because that to me is the whole point of sports teams for me personally. It's not. So again, so yeah. helping your kids kind of, I want them to build that habit, but to keep it fun. And each of them are going to have different yeah. things that they do. So would that be, how would you give that kind of advice to kids who are more interested, who become interested in aesthetic sports, you know, like dance and cheerleading and gymnastics? How can we safeguard them from this body image uh, message that they get? That is a great question because that is, that is a really tough one. And you can, but I think it's important to seek out those dance programs and those, those programs that are not so body focused because Mm You know, we used to live, we lived in Albuquerque for a while and we had friends that they were big into the dance scene and they had to look very specifically at several programs. They had to even drive further to one where the clothing was modest and the dancing wasn't so sexual. Mm. And these were six to 12 year old girls, unfortunately, but that is the dance scene. Anyone who's been to a dance competition knows that is the scene where you're going to have five-year-olds dressed. Mm, sometimes not. There's always going to be that one team where you're like, really? You put your kids in those clothes, but you don't think there's a predator out here in the audience? Please. Or a potential right? so, predator. Yeah. So, <laughs> Developing. To, yeah. So to me, I'm like, so 
you're, we have, you have to take the time. That's about being deliberate. Yeah. I used to think it was just enough. Oh yeah, I'm going to throw my kid in the, the closest, least expensive dance or a gymnastics class. Right. But that's also what I could afford. But I mm-hmm. also always just made sure I was always there. I was watching what was going on and that so that I could kind of get a read on what the, the teachers were teaching my kids. You can watch very, and very quickly, you can see what that program is all about. Mm-hmm. So again, it's being really thoughtful. If you are a prayerful person, then mm-hmm. you're going to pray, you're going to pray about that. And you're going to be, again, very deliberate. Is this worth our time? Mm-hmm. Is this going to bring my child, is this going to bring us closer as a family? Is this going to turn my child into the person I want them to be? And being very thoughtful about yeah. that process. If it is, go for it. If it's not, reevaluate, have that conversation with your child and let them know what is real, help them remind them about what is really important in life. And sometimes that's a tough conversation, but I don't know, my kids are worth it. So maybe it becomes, let's just do gymnastics and dance from home and watch YouTube videos and, (laughs) you know, things like that. If there's fewer options, I really think that you can always find the option. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's about educating the teacher and letting them know, I'm not really comfortable with this. We have to speak up for those things. And I find totally. that most of them are very open to those things and very helpful. You know, I had my boys in Taekwondo for a while and we had the most helpful teacher coach in the world where we let them know that this is what we cared about and they would help reiterate those values in the class. Wow. So yeah. again, like there are programs and there are good, there are good people out there that want to teach that have art that you can find similar values or that you can help them say, this is what's important to me. And so then they're not going to push your child in that way. You know, they're going to push your child to be a better person, to be a better athlete, but maybe not to be um, the sexiest answer. So, right. Awesome. Wow. Uh, Dina, I really love your work. I really want to acknowledge that everything you're doing is so awesome. And, and I really, I'm really grateful that you were willing to come onto my podcast so I could help convey your message and uh, in conclusion, besides your books, uh, what other books do you, would you recommend to lead people about understanding about body image or helping our children to appreciate themselves and their identities? So um, when we were writing these children's books, we did look for great books out there on body image for kids because we thought, well, maybe we don't have to write one. And unfortunately, there really wasn't. There are some books that are about like, hey, I'm going to like me. And they're Mm -hmm. more like general self-esteem books. Those are all so good. You know, like I love the book, like a children's book is like Stand Tall, Molly Lou Mellon. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've heard of that book. I love that book, but it's basically about a girl who has to stand out and be confident, even though she's not that cute of a kid. She doesn't have a great singing voice. She just learns to, she learns to stand out for being the amazing human being that she is. Um, and so, but we, and so because we didn't find a lot of great books, we wrote our books. So we have two of them. We have one book for girls. So we wrote Messages About Me, Sydney's Story, A Girl's Journey to Healthy Body Image. And then we also have Messages About Me, Wade's Story, A Boy's Quest for Healthy Body Image. And so those have a story that with, uh, both have very humorous things that go on in them as they take on the messages that they hear around them from peers and media. But there's also lessons and there are great conversation questions and a few activities at the end of the books. Um, a great, and so we have other resources on our website www.educateempowerkids.org. Also, we have tons of articles on healthy body image about parenting in the digital age. Um, But another website I recommend is Beauty Redefined. 
I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are a set of twins that they um, share their body image stories and their journey, but they also have great resources. They only have a few resources for parents because they themselves are new parents, but they do have some. So I, and they have stuff that you definitely can just like take it and teach it to your kids as well. So that's um, another great uh, resource that I like. Awesome. Will you share us your final thoughts and what you want to leave parents with? I think final thoughts, none of us are going to do this perfectly. So just give yourself a break. You don't have to do this perfectly. You, you just do your best every day, a little bit at a time. Be thoughtful and deliberate in the things you say to your kids and to yourself. Speak kindly to yourself. As you develop that habit with yourself of speaking and saying nice things to yourself, you will be kinder to others, but you're also, you will teach your kids. You'll have, you'll find those opportunities to teach your kids to be kind, to say kind things to themselves, to fight that negative voice that all of us have and hear throughout our whole lives. And just, you know, be complimenting, look for ways to compliment your kids on things besides their looks. As you try it, more and more things will be open to you. It's like turning on a light in a room where you start to see that dust in the corner. Start that habit and you will see more opportunities to just be an awesome parent. Such an important conversation. And I'm so grateful for Dina's work and her ability to help and empower families to have these important conversations. I've been thinking especially about these topics of body image and relationship with food. I listened to a talk recently about how our judgments limit our ability to grow and develop. And so I was thinking about my judgments around body image and how it's been limiting my abilities to change and develop. And I've been thinking about my judgments about food and the relationship that we have with food. Because we did touch on this idea of good and bad foods. And you can learn more about this. And a resource that I like to share is ellensatterinstitute.org. That's Ellen with a Y, ellensatterinstitute.org. And that's a great resource to learn more about our food relationships and the way that we view good or bad foods and how they limit our health choices. And so that's a really awesome resource. And I've just been thinking about this idea of our judgments and the way that they limit us in our growth and the way that we see others and the way that we see ourselves. You know, I've been thinking about how my judgments about overweight and obesity is changing the way that I feel about myself. And so I'm learning to learn how to let go of those judgments and focus on those things that Dina was talking about, um, the growth mindset types of things where we focus on process, where we focus on character and the attributes that go beyond our physical appearance. That's so, so You can check out my show notes for this episode at homeandfamilyculture.com and you can go check out Dina's website at educateempowerkids.org. I will be hosting a giveaway of one of Dina's books on my Instagram account and will also show up on my Facebook account. Both are the handle at Family Culture Podcast. And so you can go and follow me and Dina and tag a friend to be entered into that drawing. Thank you again for listening. Please like and share and comment and rate wherever you can. Thank you for listening.